Superpowers on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that lifts the voice of love from orgasms to superpowers and everything in between. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sex, Love, and Superpowers podcast show. I am your host, Tatiana Berenday, and I am very excited for this conversation we're going to have today with Mari Frank. Let me tell you a little bit about her before we get started, but we are going to be talking about fully conscious divorce. So I know there's going to be some really good stuff that comes out of this. And let me share with you why I believe that so strongly to be true. So Mari is an attorney, mediator, an author of five books, a professional speaker, professor, and radio host of two shows since 2005 airing on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California. For three decades, she's been expertly using her unique solutioneering tools to resolve conflicts and transform adversity into opportunity for her clients and audiences. Unlike a shark, her dolphin approach, gentle yet powerful, transforms disputes between people so they may collaborate and create dynamic relationships. She's mediated and resolved all types of fights, including business lawsuits and divorce. A healer of conflict, Mari empowers audiences with strategies so they may communicate without turning disagreements into hostility. She's been a guest on over 300 radio shows, appeared on dozens of television shows, and hosted her own PBS TV, PBS TV special. As a professional speaker, she's motivated such companies as American Express, General Electric, Experian, etc., with humorous stories, Mari articulates how to turn adversity into opportunity to create positive relationships. She'll inspire us with the six A's to keep a romantic relationship and the five steps to gain power in any negotiation. Welcome to the show, Mari. Well, thank you, Tatiana. I'm really thrilled to talk with you this morning. Likewise. So before we dive in here, will you please tell our audience what your superpowers are? Well, you know, I think my superpower is the ability to heal conflict. And you don't think of an attorney as a healer of conflict. You think of an attorney as a shark that's going to go fight and argue. And, you know, people love it when an attorney is representing you, but when they're on the other side, you hate them. Mm -hmm. So as an attorney mediator, I have the wonderful opportunity to empower my clients. So I have the power to empower my clients to come up with solutions that will fit their needs, whether it's divorce or a business dispute, that they can heal the conflict. And that's a much better way that I want to leave as my legacy in this world. I think it's uh, we see too much hate, too much fighting, too much acrimony, and too much love lost. And so I, uh, my superpower is bringing back love to, to relationships, even if they need to end. I love it so much. And this is why I really wanted to talk to you because actually, um, you know, when, when you first came through, Tonya had told me, you know, Tonya met you at the, at the new media summit and, and had told me about you. And, um, and I just didn't put two and two together when, when the request came in, I was like, well, why would I interview an attorney? And then I was, I was like, wait a minute, no, this is, perfect. This is actually so perfect because I have that, that initial reaction and response. And I, I think that, um, you know, I actually know some really lovely attorneys who I would agree are, are 
are almost in the, in the healing arts profession in their own way, you know, in a, in a very different way than what we tend to think about it. I think especially in the more woo-woo communities, we have these constructs and ideas of, of what all of these different boxes are supposed to look like. And I love so much that you are really coming from that space of healing and love, and yet you're wearing this attorney hat. I, I, those kinds of things thrill me <laughs> more than almost anything else. So. Well, um, that warms my heart. Um, I consider myself a holistic attorney, and, and I used to belong. We had a, a group that was called the Alliance of Holistic Lawyers. And people would laugh and say, isn't that an oxymoron, you know, a holistic lawyer? But, you know, you have holistic doctors, and there are holistic lawyers that want to really bring peace. And Chief Justice Berger in the, oh gosh, in the 80s, in the 1980s, he said that attorneys should be healers of conflict. That's really what we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln said, don't I make my enemy my friend? I mean, don't I heal conflict when I make my enemy my friend? And so, you know, there were uh, attorneys for many, many years that believed that we should be peacemakers instead of, you know, um, battling and war makers. So it's... It, the, you've got these different approaches to to how to resolve conflict. When you go to court and you get a decree from a judge, that is not healing the conflict. It may end it. It may not. Um, it, it ends the case. It ends the marriage. It ends whatever it is, but it doesn't necessarily heal the conflict. There can be hate and anger that makes people sick for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And, and and that's not what I want to be doing ever. <laughs> yeah. So so let's talk about this. And and again, I just want to say thank you for for showing up to your work in that way. And I, you know, I'm like, let's see some sort of directory of holistic attorneys that people can turn to who are really who are who are operating in that same space because I think the more of that, the better. I mean, that's really what what we need in this world, and especially here in the U.S. in our completely litigious society. Um, yes, but so so let's talk about you know divorce, right? Um, okay. I, we talk a lot about relationships on this show and and how to have great communication and 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 sometimes there is a time to to end the marriage. And I'd be so curious to hear from your perspective what you see as sort of the classic causes of divorce. Right. Yes. Um, you know, blame, uh, criticism, disrespect, cheating, those are the biggies that, that come across. And I think the overall umbrella for that is disrespect. If you don't treat your loving partner with respect, that breeds animosity. And so respect means, you know, not cheating. Respect means treating the other person with love and kindness. Respect means having a, an intimate relationship where both parties are satisfied. If you're talking about, you know, hugging and sex and all those things, all of that really is under the umbrella of respect and love. And when you are criticizing someone constantly or berating them, 
they all that love that was you know that you started out with is destroyed by how you treat one another and so i see it and it's it's amazing because i'm with both the husband and the wife in that session and i can see the patterns of disrespect or control where one is controlled and the other acquiesces and then gets angry and acts passive aggressively so it comes out so strongly in a mediation i can see all those issues and you know i'll tell you tatiana what warms my heart also is that in the 30 year over 30 years is 33 years this year that i've been doing this um i've had 21 couples get back together when they came to me for divorce and that's because underlying there was still that love but they didn't have the tools mm-hmm. to really be respectful they didn't have the tools to be grateful they didn't have the tools to be loving and kind and you know a lot of our childhood obviously causes these problems you know i have a masters in psychology and so it does help me a little bit <laughs> i'm i'm not practicing psychology or psychoanalysis but i don't think you need to even be um a psychologist or or a psychiatrist to see these things they just jump out at you yeah and absolutely. a lot of this stuff you know a lot of the stuff really does come from if you're if you have fears of abandonment you're going to marry somebody who's going to cheat on you you know and so we kind of attract these things to us so you when you were talking a couple of minutes ago about you talk about relationships and how to have loving relationships sometimes we come together in a relationship for as long as it we can to learn what we can from each other and when we can no longer learn from each other then it is a time to leave and when we can no longer support each other then it's time to leave so there are times that it is really important to dissolve the marriage so that you can blossom and emerge like the phoenix rising out of the ashes i've had so many clients who were repressed in their men and women that were repressed in their marriage for whatever patterns they set up and when they divorced all of a sudden they they just emerged as a very strong happy um you know brilliant person so divorce can be a gift in disguise mhm mhm and i've seen that for, i've had a lot of friends who have gotten divorced and i've seen that for them too um okay so there's a lot more to talk about we do have to take a quick break before we go to break will you tell our listeners where they can go to find out more about you and your work sure they can go to conflicthealing.com and there they can even listen to my archived interviews for radio and they can contact me and i am going to be giving a free seminar or webinar rather on december 6th at noon california time pacific time so if they write to me from either conflicthealing.com or marifrank.com they can sign up for this free 1 hour webinar and learn how to resolve conflict in a loving and positive way to be successful in negotiations 
Beautiful. Thank you so much for that. Um, so we were, we're talking with Mari Frank about fully conscious divorce. More when we get back, this is going to be really good. So you're going to want to make sure you stay tuned. We'll be right back. Hello, everyone. This is Tonya Don Reckla, Executive Director of Superpower Experts. And we want to thank each of you for making Superpower Up the number one podcast network for personal development and spiritual growth. Because people like you have the courage to say that mindfulness, healthy living, disrupting reality, the pursuit of consciousness, responsible entrepreneurship, and radical parenting matter. We now amass over 1 million downloads monthly in more than 90 countries. Our numbers keep growing because there are far more people willing to live divergently than mass media wants to acknowledge. For you, the change makers, the light bearers, the way showers, we say thank you. If you're ready to take the next step in your evolution, go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz. And as Neva Lee Rekla, our youngest podcaster, likes to remind us, remember, we all have superpowers and we can change the world. All right, we are back. So um, I've, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I've been on sort of this bandwagon recently with a, a bunch of my clients because um, I, I feel like you know, we were talking about sort of what causes divorce. And I have come to be of the opinion that a, a, a big cause of divorce is actually getting married without knowing what you're getting into. Um, and I, I, I'm on this like campaign to just raise awareness and understanding that when we enter into committed partnership, we are agreeing to at the very least, dance with someone else's shadow. And I think in its highest um, evolutionary capacity, we're agreeing to help someone transform their shadow. And which right now at the time we're at on the planet means not just transforming their personal shadow, but I mean, the shadow of their lineage too, right? That's we're working on an ancestral level right now. As you mentioned, the, the wounds from childhood, those wounds from childhood come from our parents' <laughs> wounds that were inflicted upon us, which are inflicted upon them by their parents. You know, I mean, it's generational at this point, what we're working through. Um, I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on that or your take on that. Yes, um, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, I, I think about my daughter, who is uh, 30, and she had a long-term relationship, and then she left it because she finally realized that it wasn't going to be healthy for her. And we were just talking recently about making a list of what's really important to you in your life. And I've said this to so many of my clients, especially the ones that have gone, gotten divorced and they go, oh, I'm never going to have another relationship. And I said, yes, you will, but you have learned what you don't want. Now turn it into what you do want. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I remember, I had a divorce after 18 years of marriage, and now I've been with my husband now, which I have, I'm so blessed because we both were married before. We both knew what we wanted. We found each other, and we work at this every day. And I don't mean work. We, we adventure together and grow together every day. But um, I think it's really important to write down what's really important to you. I want someone who's going to be loving. I want someone to be kind to myself, my kids, my friends. I want someone who is generous. Uh, I want someone who will talk with me and really get to, you know, deeper questions. I want someone who's going to be in a spiritual level with me. That's going to be really important. 
And so you just write down what you want. You know, my first husband had, was very sarcastic, and I knew I never wanted to be with someone like that. That was not the kind of humor. So I remember my list I put, I want someone who's got a great sense of humor, but not sarcasm. <laughs> mm. So I, I wrote my list, and then I met my husband, Lloyd, and it's funny because one of my things on my list, this is the caveat. I said I wanted someone who had experienced a lot of pain so that they would have compassion. My husband has so many aches and pains from being in construction for so many years. <laughs> so my, my caveat is be very careful how you word it because you will get exactly what you want. That's true. So just, just be sure that you know what you want. So that's, I think, critical. Because if you just go in and just start dating someone, you're attracted to someone who's really um, abusive. Maybe your father was abusive or your mother was abusive and you come in and this person is abusive. It's something that you were familiar with. And so you gravitated toward that. But if you really hate the fact that, that your mother told you you were stupid or your father told you that you were a slut or whatever it was, you know, you need to stop that. And start looking at what it is that you want, not what you don't want. Because if you don't, if you put what you don't want, you still haven't clarified what you want. So I think you're 100% right on when you, you're calling this segment fully conscious divorce. Well, how about fully conscious marriage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? I think, well, I think we wouldn't see divorce, at least not in the, in the high percentage that we have in the U.S., um, in the same way. I think if it was like part of the vows, like, yes, I agree to work on all my shadow material and to help you to transmute yours. Like, I think a lot of fewer people would be like, Hmm, maybe I don't actually want to say yes to this particular person, knowing that that's what I'm actually agreeing to, to step into here. Right. Right. If you both walk in and your needs are going to be met by the other person's needs and vice versa, you're, you have certain needs and a, a mutual um, decision that th this is on my list, you meet this, what's on your list? You know, do I meet that? And can I meet that? Can I rise to that level? That's going to be so much more helpful. You're right. But the challenge is, no one teaches us the tools that you really need to have a loving relationship and how to transform conflict into that higher intimacy. Yeah, so that's the sad thing. That. I mean, this Learning is your cool. this yeah. is this is your your skill set. What have you seen? Um, I mean, you were talking about about blame, about disrespect being some of the leading causes of of the conflicts. Um, how do you how do you support people in dealing with those kinds of things. If so, so if someone is actively coming at me with blame, what do I do? That's, that's a really great, great question because it's very hard when especially your loved one that you sleep with starts blaming you. Um, I know that that happens even in my marriage. You know, I, I can see there are times that Lloyd will blame me. And so when that happens, first I, there, I'm going to give you an acronym that helps to, to work in any case where you feel attacked or blamed or accused or anything. And so it's called hard love, okay? So hard is standing for halt 
anger control, reverse negative reaction, and disengage. I'm going to explain that. This is the inside job. So let's say um, your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend blames you for what happened with friends. Let's say the friends got mad and you get blamed. The first thing you want to do is halt. And that means stop. You have to bring to a conscious level when you were talking about conscious, being fully conscious, being mindful or conscious when you're attacked. Stop. The first thing, you've got to make it a habit. You stop. That means you stop. You don't say a word. You just breathe. Yeah, and that's huge. Second, that, that's huge, and that's actually a lot harder to do than uh, than we think. Because when, in those moments when we're getting attacked, our nervous system immediately goes into fight or flight or freeze. Right, we're we get hijacked by our yes. nervous system by our limbic brain. We're not. Yes. We are not in in the frontal lobes. We're not in the the central right. consciousness in the brain. Right, and so yes, so yes, stopping, and that's right because. Yeah, the emotion of anger happens immediately, right? It happens immediately. So you're right. I mean, it's like that fight or flight. Your amygdala kicks in, and oh my gosh, you're thinking, I, I, you want to, you want to defend. Right. You have to be ready for that. In other words, be on the. You have to have like a little thing in your head that says anytime. My first reaction, yes, I am going to get, I'm going to get angry. I'm going to feel it in my body. I'm going to get that rush of adrenaline. I know it, but I am going to train myself to just stop because if I don't stop and I react, I'm going to say the worst speech I ever regret. And we all know, we've all had those moments, right? Where it's like, and it's so tempting. It's so tempting in that moment because you're you're hooked, you're triggered, you're hijacked, you're not operating in your highest self. And it's just, it can be so tempting to just want to just spit it right back at them, right? Right, right. So that is the first step is to train yourself to do that. What is this? I don't know what that was. Sorry, whatever okay. that was. <laughs> it, that was that okay. was confirmation from the universe. Yes, this is important. Train yourself. Yeah, that's exactly it. right. Right. <laughs> so that is the first step, and like you said, Tatiana, that is the hardest step because your body is going to react. Uh, for me, it's like a knife in my solar plexus. Other people, their face gets hot, their shoulders get tight, their back starts to hurt. It's just the this immense. Uh, emotion that is that, like you said, hijacks you. So you can learn to just wait. I mean, I've had that happen and I just breathe. If you can remember to just breathe into your belly, breathe into your solar plexus and don't say a word, that is the hardest. But then afterward, you have some options here. So A stands for anger control. So as I just told you, I feel it like a, a, a knife in my solar plexus. So I immediately, I know that whenever I get angry or fearful, that's where I'm going to feel it because it's always in the same place. So I immediately breathe into that and visualize that knife coming out. And I just keep breathing, breathing, and and. 
it's okay to have a second or two to not say anything. Just breathe into it. And the anger control gets you back when you are hijacked, when you do that breathing and you feel that uh, rush of adrenaline and you breathe into it, it dissipates. And once it dissipates, then you can get back into your frontal lobes like what you were talking about and you get into your your higher self, your executive functions, and you can then say to yourself, okay, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to reverse this reaction. I'm going to disengage. I'm not going to engage. And the other thing that helps you to do that, or at least helps me to do that and my clients, is to say, this is not about me. When someone's raging, it's about them. It's not about you. And that's critical because as soon as I think of, oh, why is he saying that? I know it's about him or I know it's about her, right? That's the truth. Okay, so you disengage. You disengage with your body. You disengage. And this all takes a matter of seconds, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, it's like riding a bike. When you first ride a bike, it takes you a little bit longer than you get on. You don't think about it, right? right. You know, Absolutely. you put your makeup on in the morning or you're not even thinking. It's automatic. So this this becomes automatic with practice like anything else. Okay. Now, the second part is love. We talked about the first part was hard, halt, anger control, reverse reaction, disengage. The second part is love. And L stands for listen actively. And what I mean by that is really listen to what they're saying as if it's just curious. What are they saying? It's telling me a great deal about how this person is feeling. It's telling me what's going on with them. It's great information. And information is gives me power. Okay? Mm-hmm. Then O is openly mirror with reframing. And that means, so if someone says, you let the dogs out and they're gone. You know, you did this, you did that, you know. So uh, and now they're back, but you did this and you're, you know, you're an idiot or whatever it is. And then you listened and you said, I heard you say, okay, so you, you say it just like that. I heard you say that I left the dogs out and you're very angry. Okay. Is that, did I get it right? Yeah. I don't have to say that you said I was an idiot. Do you know what I mean? You reframe it. Just, you just get to the core of it. I heard you say that I left the, that I let the dogs out and I might even say, and you, you feel it's my fault and you're very angry at me. Did I get that right? Okay. So I have to get myself to the point where I say it in a calm manner, but, I, and then the person will say, yeah, you got it right. But you know, that was really a stupid thing to do. And then I do it again. And I go, I heard that you think that it was really a, a stupid or a foolish thing to do. So if I did it, I might just say, you know, you're right. I apologize. And that was not, I wasn't thinking. So that diffuses it right away, it right? It's amazing how powerful. I know it's, it sounds really awkward. And I remember when I was first introduced to mirroring, I was like, this is stupid. I'm not doing it. Um, but that is what saved my marriage, actually. My husband and I were, yes, yeah. after, after our daughter was born, we were really struggling. And it was learning how to mirror that, I mean, that is powerful stuff. It is. And it's, it's simple, yet it's hard. It is. It's <laughs> really I mean, hard. It's really hard. It's hard because you, 
you feel like fighting back and saying, what the hell are you calling me names? You, yeah, know? you want to defend yourself. But you have to keep your eye on the prize. And as you, we talked about, fully consciousness, being mindful, like what, how is it going to serve me to yell back? It's only going to escalate the conflict. So if I really care about myself, I'm not going to do that. I am going to use these tools to transform the conflict into collaboration and into intimacy with my spouse. So I'm going to, like I said, I'm openly mirroring, but I'm reframing. I'm not saying exactly what he said. I'm not saying you're an idiot because I don't want to even get there. I just want to get to the essence of what he's saying. He's mad that I left the dogs out or something, right? Mm-hmm. So then after you um, re- reframe and you say back, did, did I get everything that you said? Well, did I hear you right? Or is there more? So you ask open-ended questions like tell me, or, or it can be just an open-ended statement like, tell me more about that, you know, or um, what, you know, what can we do in the future? Or, you know, I might say something like, oh, the gardeners left the gate open and I really apologize. So what, what should we do in the future? Should I put a, a sign out on Tuesdays that, you know, you don't leave the gate out, tell them, you know, I, there's all sorts of uh, questions that I want to ask that are open-ended questions. What should we do about this problem? You know, you have a problem with your kids and one party feels that the other one is not, you know, uh, maybe collaborating with what the punishment should be or, or taking away the iPhone or taking away the toys or something. What should we do? How can we work on this together so we both feel good about it and we're helping our child? So open-ended questions, not yes or no answers. It has to be open-ended so that you engage in what I call solutioneering. And once you have those open-ended questions, you start to learn more about what they're thinking. And then you get, gee, yeah, your answer, that's a great answer. Like, well, let's see. Let's let's see if we can find a solution to this. And that's when you get into the the solutioneering part where you say, oh, how about this? Well, that won't work. How about this? Oh, okay. And And that's how you transform. Yeah, what I love about this, sorry, I just cut you off in there. Um, the brain is hardwired to answer questions, to look for solutions, right? And, and, and so to, to go to a place, okay, let's, let's really start, um, start looking for solutions. Let's start seeing if we can solve, like what's the, identify the problem and then find the solution for it. That also will immediately take you out of your limbic brain hijack. Right, right. And you are no longer adversaries. You are a, a team. You're looking for solutions. So, you know, people in mediation will say, I don't want this. I don't want this. And I go, okay, what do you want? And as soon as I ask, what do you want? There's a big pause because most of the time people only know what they don't want. They haven't got clarity on what they do want. And when you ask them what they do want, then you can engage in problem solving with them to even help them to see maybe what they do want. So sometimes I'll say, well, what, what do you want to my husband? He'll go, I don't know. And then I'll say, oh, well, how about this? No, I don't want that. Okay, okay. so tell me more about what you do want. 
And then we engage in that solutioneering and I can hear what he does want. Well, I don't want to go to a movie tonight because I'm really tired. I worked all week till really late and I'd really like to just hang out at home. Okay. How about Netflix? You know, <laughs> so um, it, 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 you, you engage in that, what I call solution earring. And it's, it sounds easy when you have it on paper, you know, hard love. But I know that it takes practice and it's like anything else. You you make it a habit and then you don't engage in fights. Yes, there will always be conflict because there's always going to be a perspective that you have that's different from someone else. Always. Conflict will arise, but it that can be a gift. So I think conflict. I, I agree. And, and I, and I echo everything you just said about, you know, the, it looks easy on paper. It's hard in, in real life. It takes practice. Um, I, I have a question for you, for the people who are listening to this, who, I mean, they, there's just been too much damage in the relationship to find repair. Um, what, in your years of experience, what have you seen are really like grounds for divorce that are that are based in in something that feels really uh, what am I trying to say here? Like it feels right. It's like yeah, you know what, divorce actually is the right choice here. What what are what are some some classic examples that you have seen? I think the biggest cla- I think the biggest classic example would be when someone has has had an affair or is having an affair, it's very hard to repair trust. Um, when you have a, a committed relationship, there has to be trust. It's very hard. I've, I've had people try and get back together in mediation when there has been a breach of trust. Only once in all my years of and the couples that got back together, I did have one couple where the wife was a professor, husband was a CEO of a company and his company had some real problems. And so he ended up having a heart attack. Once he had the heart attack, he became very distant. Uh, He didn't have any, uh, he wouldn't communicate. He wouldn't make love. He just kind of went into himself and she tried to get him to go to counseling. He wouldn't go to counseling. Uh, He wouldn't do anything. So she had an affair with another professor and he found out and they ended up in my office. And at that time, um, you know, they had had a long-term marriage, like almost 30 years and they didn't, they weren't able to do this hard love by themselves, but they came to me and, you know, they obviously didn't go to counseling, which may have helped them. But they didn't, and they came to me, and we went to the deeper issues of why did she have that affair? You know, did she still love you? Do you still love each other? And believe it or not, after we divided all the community property and we were about to take everything to court um, and send it in, they said, we're not going to sign the marital settlement agreement because we want to work things out. We, we finally have the tools to understand where we both were, and we underlying we really loved each other and um and so i get a christmas card from him every year mm-hmm. <laughs> so and it's sweet but i would say for every other one when there was an affair or an affair is still going on that that's pretty much i i 
I would not want to have three persons in my marriage, you know, like poor Diana, right? With uh, Princess Di. It's too hard to have um, another. You don't have trust. You don't have commitment. So I think that's a biggie. What about, um, um, do you see a lot of cases of like clear emotional abuse or manipulation? Oh, yeah. Yes. And that is, yes, if you can't get beyond it, and this is the thing, what happens, and I see a lot of that, where there's an emotional abuse by one party and the other party doesn't know how to watch boundaries and doesn't know how to say, I'm not comfortable with this. I can't take it. Um, They just file for divorce and um, they just have to get out of it. And with those couples, I try to counsel and coach the person who has been abused um, to recognize their part of it, that they allowed it. They allowed it. So that when they get to the next relationship, they won't allow it. They won't attract that. And so, yeah, I think emotional abuse, well, that gets into disrespect, right? What I talked about in the beginning, which is if there's no respect, you should not be in that marriage. It's time to get out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's part of respecting yourself is, is being willing to respect yourself enough to say, no, I'm not going to be treated this way. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But you don't want to do it in a way that's... Um, offensive right you you know i'm not comfortable when you speak to me like that it makes me feel very bad and i i love you and i want to have a loving relationship but i can't live like this so i'm telling you that if something doesn't change i need to get out that's pretty strong but it's not accusatory right right so i think what happens and I, i I would say in all the marriages that I've done, you know, literally hundreds and hundreds of divorces, uh, the majority are the, uh, the women are the ones that don't watch boundaries more than the men. Although the men, well, they, the men overstep the boundaries and, but it's not always, there are some times where the woman oversteps the boundaries, but I would say the majority of the time, that it's the man and no one is teaching these people how to have healthy boundaries. Well, and I think that that's, yeah, I mean, it doesn't surprise me to hear that in majority of the cases, it's the women who don't know how to have boundaries because we're culturally not taught to have boundaries. We are taught that we are everyone else's property. Right. And so, I mean, and that, and that goes way back when, like I talked about earlier, we're in a, we're in a time of generational healing. I mean, literally marriage used to be, you as a woman became the man's property. Um, and I think and before still- 1960 in California, before 1969, when we had community property, it was almost like that women were chattel, you know, and everything belonged to the man. So, and that's in a lot of states and in a lot of countries. So, you know, we are in a time, this me too generation, mm-hmm. um, People, women are waking up, but they don't have to be angry to get what they want. And that's the issue. I think one of the big issues that happened with, um, you know, Hillary Hillary Clinton and her uh, desire to be president was that a lot of the men really found her aggressive and did not want to vote for her, which was unfortunate because I think, you know, there were a lot of things that she could have done for this country. However, she came across as 
um, kind of like, I'll say a bitch, you know, and, and aggressive. And I think you can be really assertive without being aggressive. And that's the problem is that a lot of women feel like if I assert myself in this marriage and watch my boundaries, then I'm going to be considered aggressive. And that's not really the case. Well, and here's the thing too. Like, I think this is what I've seen anyway on this journey is that there are different stages of, of awakening. Right. And, and that, when when someone has been oppressed or they're they're part of an oppressed a group that has been oppressed for generations and generations the first stage of waking up to the fact that there has been oppression that they have been experiencing anger is a is a natural response to being aware of that and i think it's a it's a valid response and i think that it's important yes. it's important to be able to experience and have that anger. However, to then direct it at somebody who represents the group that has been doing the oppressing gets you nowhere. And I think that's where, I think that's where we've gotten kind of stuck, where we get stuck in this conversation as a collective. Um, and, and also in our individual partnerships, if someone has been directly oppressing you and you realize that that's been happening and you, you do get to get angry about it and you do get to say something directly to that individual. However, if that individual is representing an archetype or a, a, a body group um, to, to direct your anger at them is very confusing and that person doesn't know what to do with it because they themselves are representing something. Um, they're not actually in the active act of oppressing. And so it's just like when we're talking about marriage, it's like we're, we're carrying this energy signature of women being men's property. And that's, you know, when that's another thing that we're cleaning up culturally and collectively as we're evolving, as we're coming through marriages to say, okay, like, this is an energy signature that I don't want. I want to be in a partnership with you. I want to commit. I want to say yes. I want to create a container moving forward. I don't want to have that piece be a part of it. How can we bring consciousness and awareness to the fact that just by getting married, there is an energy that we're perpetuating unless we become aware of it and, and call it out right. and call it into the light. Yeah. That know? mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you were talking about anger and, and legitimate anger, for sure, you know, I mean, we've seen this um, with the black movement in the civil rights time. I mean, we've seen that. Well, the Black um, Lives Matter movement now. I mean. Right, 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 right. And we're seeing this with Me Too and we've seen this with the American Indian. We're, we're seeing that. And that is, it is true. It's just, um, yeah. have to make, but, but my, my vision, and I agree with you. My vision is to make anger your ally. And that's why I talk about hard love. I get angry. I'm not, I mean, you cannot help it. You're, you're like you were talking about before you you get hijacked. It's an automatic emotion. People get angry automatically. That is the fight flight. That is our survival. That's the way we're made up. And our brain is made up that way that, that we immediately, when we feel uh, fear or defensiveness, we are going to automatically go into that primitive brain and the chemicals are going to start flowing 
And that is automatic. So what we're talking about, though, is consciousness, mindfulness, and being aware that, hey, when somebody does this, I am going to get angry. And I remember, and I'm going to give you a Me Too example. I was working for a law firm, and this was, oh gosh, about 28 years ago. And um, I was going through my divorce, and the senior partner called me in. And, you know, I was cute and young and skinny and all that stuff. And, um, and he said to me, I, I hear you're going through a divorce. I'm really sorry. I said, thank you. And um, I'm okay. You know, I'm doing okay. He said, what can I do for you? And I said, well, you know what? Just understand if I have to do certain things, I'll let you know, but I'm not going to fall down on the job. And he goes, well, you know, I know when women go through divorce that they, you know, they have sexual needs that are not necessarily satisfied. And I want you to know that I'm here for you. I was so angry. I I can't even tell you how angry. However, I stopped, I breathed and I said, you know, I'm really uncomfortable with you talking to me like that. You know, I respect you as my boss and I'll do all the, but, but you know, and I know that that could be considered sexual harassment. And I know you don't really mean to do that. I know you're looking. And, and I said that I was furious, but I knew I could not tell him to go to hell (laughs) as my boss. That was my, livelihood, right? So that's what I did. I used my hard love um, to then, you know, he never said anything ever again, never said anything again and treated me very respectfully. So what I get back to is you're right that there is anger and anger comes out first and it is legitimate. But if you really want to change things, you watch your boundaries, you state what's going on, and then you ask for a change and you, you, you stick with it, you know? So, um, it's assertiveness rather than aggressiveness. It's really watching your boundaries and boundaries are an issue forever in relationships, right? Yeah. And they change too. And I think that's part of, part of why boundaries can be so challenging is because something that was a yes yesterday in this moment right now feels like a no and and that needs to be okay and we need to be able you know it's like this is not about i think sometimes where people get caught up with boundaries is they think that making a boundary means making a rule for themselves that never gets to change and i think there's right. a real there's a real difference and a real distinction that's very important to highlight because um, a boundary is not a rule. A boundary is is a clear, I mean, it, and it may be, it may turn into something that feels like a guidepost for you, but it doesn't have to be that. You can have a boundary and it can change and that's okay. Yeah. And certain things won't change. So for example, my husband was drinking a lot and I got to the point, I never grew up with anything like that. And I said to him, it was really getting to me. I couldn't take it. And I said, you know what? If you want to drink, you can drink, but I can't be with you. That was my boundary. I said, I can tell you right now, I can't live like this. I don't want to do this. I I don't, I I just can't do it. So if you want to drink and you want to drink yourself, whatever you want, that's fine. But I can't be with you. And I got to tell you, he stopped immediately. It was amazing. But it was boundaries. I and I didn't say you're an alcoholic. I didn't say anything like that. I just said, 
I can't live like this and it's unhealthy for me and I can't be with you if you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just a matter of saying what you what you feel in your heart and your soul and being able to articulate it without blaming. Just say, this is how I'm feeling. And I think when you set that boundary of like, hey, I have to be mindful of my own health or my own mental health or physical health or whatever it is. And when you are, how could someone get mad at you? You know, I mean... If they do, then that's their that's their own issue, right? It's their own issue. And I, and I think you know what I love about how you're putting it is like you're not making it about them, you're making it about yourself. Like this is this is what I need for my own sanity, for my own health and happiness. It's not about you. This is about what I have clarity within myself around. That this is and you're a- not controlling them. You're not controlling them. Then you're saying you have your choices and I have mine. Exactly. Exactly. And um, and and if you remember that, just say, just being true to yourself. Whenever I remember when I went through my divorce many years ago, and I had a wonderful therapist that I went through because I do believe in having counseling when you're going through tough times. And she said, whenever you do what's best for you, it's re- and honestly and genuinely, it's always best for everyone else. And that one really stuck with me. Because so many times as women, we were taught to be um, codependent, you know, that you have to make everything right for your spouse, your kids, everybody else, but you come last. And that, I think, is still part of our society, which you were talking about before, that we're, we're taught that we, we have to do for everybody else or we have to be chattel. Um, the truth of the matter is, is that we... We can be loving to ourselves and good to ourselves. And as we do that in an honest way, then we are doing the best for everyone around us. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I'm looking at the time and, and, and I want to I wanna honor, honor our time. I want to honor your time. And I just want to see if there's anything that um, you want to make sure that our audience hears that we haven't already covered today before we close out. Yeah, I did want to give real quickly um, six the six A's that I think really are critical to um, a loving relationship, and and my husband and I practice this all the time. So I thought I'd end on a real positive note <laughs> of things to do, and one is to pay attention to each other. Attention is the first A. Listen and look in each other's eyes, not at your cell phone or your smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, the second is to accept accept each other as you, you are, um, and maybe you're not perfect and he's not perfect, but accept and then ask for change, you know, negotiate for change. The next one is appreciation. Oh, this is a biggie. I mean, I have learned to say thank you for everything. Uh, thank you for making dinner. Thank you for for cleaning up with me. Thank you for making love to me. Whatever it is, you just say thank you. And every night before we go to bed, we say three things that we're thankful for in our day. It didn't have to be about each other, but it is a great way to go to sleep, and we do it every night. Um, Affection, hugging. Hugging is so critical. Touching, holding hands at the movies or at church. 
And of course, making love. I think when people are together a really long time, sometimes they they just don't have time or their kids are in the way. Making love is really the glue that binds the relationship. So I think it's critical to have, have fun and make love and be there for each other. And that's part of the touching. Next, next one is allowance. Allow, allow me to grow and I allow you to grow. So if there are things that are our unique things that we want to do, we really need to support each other as we grow. And the last one is assurance, meaning safety, that I feel safe with you. I feel I can trust you. Not only can I trust you in what you say, that you, you say what you say you're going to do, you do. And that I feel that commitment, but also that I trust you that you are going to be in this relationship with me and you're not going to bring other people into this relationship. So those are the six A's, attention, acceptance, appreciation, affection, allowance, and assurance. Beautiful. I love it. I want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show today. It's been a really wonderful conversation, super valuable and, um, and different from what we've had before. So thank you. Well, thank you too, Tatiana. I really appreciate the opportunity to share ideas with you. And I, I love your perspective on things and it just makes a lot of, ooh, it makes a lot of sense to me, everything that you are saying. So let's just um, send love to everyone out there that they can have a loving relationship. And if it's time to let go, to know that they can do it in a positive, peaceful way. Mm, amen to that. And to our listeners, thank you so much for your continued support and tuning in. The show is for you, so thanks for showing up for it. If you have not yet joined us in the Superpowers Are Real group on Facebook, please come and do so. We'd love to hear your feedback. If there's anything that we have not covered on the show yet that you want to hear us talk about, let us know. Um, and if you're wanting to go deeper with some of this stuff, come and check out our programs. You can go to superpowerexperts.com forward slash programs and take your evolution to the next level. And until next time, go out and love yourself so that you can love the world more deeply. Many, many blessings. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today.